standing just for a moment. It's the, so I apologise, I grew up in a Catholic church and I'm used to standing, sitting, standing, sitting. Uh, so we, I just want to, I believe in honouring, I believe as we honour, it releases the gifts that people carry. Gary and his wife Sarah and the family, they have been a blessing to us here at Mount Clear and a blessing to Mel and I. Um, they came alongside us as friends to share wisdom with us when we were new in pastoring. Now that we realise that you're always new in pastoring, he's still our friend and continues to speak wisdom into our lives. But I'm really looking forward to what God's going to do through him and with him this day. So can we put our hands together as he brings us a word? Please? Wow. Well, I expected Robin Hood to come out then. It was like... <laughs> Thank you, God. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? God is, is so good. God is so kind. God is so deliberate, intentional. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do that God hasn't already covered. Amen? Yeah. And uh, it's, that's how intentional He is. And... Um, it's so good to be here today. I tell you, it's, it's, it's a difficult day because I've got two, literally, I'm here this morning, I'm in stairway tonight, and so I'm, I'm in this sort of, Lord, what do you want me to, to release? Because I realize sometimes you're carrying a, a message, and, and there's something I've realized that God does a message in you before He does a message through you. And a lot of times we realize that, that life isn't just about a, a collection of words. Life isn't just about um, some good ideas. Really, life is an unfolding of, of His truth, but sometimes our facts. And, you know, one of the things I've learned in my life is, is, is the, the fact of the matter is not always the truth of the matter. And sometimes we can come and, and realize, okay, well, this is the fact, but it's not always the truth. And I realize Scripture tells us that you know, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. The question we've got to ask ourselves is, uh, is what we're believing setting us free or we're still in prison? Therefore, what we believe isn't truth, it could be a fact. And God wants to translate that. God wants to bring that fact and bring it into His truth, into how He sees. And, and I love what Andrew was saying, your theme this year is, is seeing how God sees. And so I want to encourage us this morning, uh, the title of my message, if, if you're taking notes, is The Waiting Room of God. Coming up to 14 years ago, on the 6th of February, um, 2006, I had the incredible privilege and life-changing opportunity to marry my wife. And um, we had met in 2005. Uh, she thought I was a jerk. I thought, she's my wife. As soon as I met her, and uh, we met at a, a sound desk in Vermont, not, not Vermont, Australia, but Vermont, New England. And I'll never forget the day I met her. That was the 22nd of June, 2005. Seven months later, we got engaged. 14 days later after that, we got married. It was Waitangi Day uh, in, in New Zealand, and we got married in Wellington. And I remember beginning, and you know, when you begin a journey, everyone's an expert. Whenever you start something new, everyone's an expert, amen? 
And so, you know, for me, an expert is someone you cross off and, and is just spiriting whatever they want to. And so, for me, I realized at that moment, everyone wanted to tell you how it was going to be. Well, you need to do this much, you know, sort of marriage, and then you can have children, and then, you know, you'll do this, and then you'll do... And I'm like, no. Because how many people know the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord? They're not directed by people. And a lot of times we, we live our lives on the opinions of men instead of the opportunities of God. And everyone has a great vision for you, but I realize that actually we have to have an understanding of, of what God wants to do with us and through us. How many people want direction in this place? Everyone wants direction. But I learned in my life that from Proverbs 16:9, the Bible says, A man's heart plans his ways, but God directs his steps. And I realized I wanted direction in my life, but I had no plans. I had everyone else's plan, but I didn't have a plan. And so really, that's my heart, if I can, if I can begin with laying that brick this morning, is guys, get a plan for your life, amen? Don't live out of the plans of others. Get a plan for your life, and out of that plan, direction will come. And I remember, you know, beginning... We, we flew, we had five days honeymoon in, in New Zealand, we flew over to uh, Florida, and there, you know, we began ministry. And we lived out of two suitcases, and after about 18 months of ministry, Sarah decided, you know, and we decided, okay, I think it's, I think it's time we start a family. We got given a house, and you know, I'm thinking, yes, this is it. So... Keeping it PG this morning, um, we all know, and so we thought, okay, let's let's go for it, and it didn't go, and we're like, whoa, okay, what's what's going on here? And she's like, oh yeah, it'll happen when it happens. The first year went past, the second year went past, and all of a sudden, after three years, we began to think, okay, what's what's wrong? And you know, it's amazing, whenever things are not going right, we always think it's wrong. Let me say it again, whenever we think things aren't going right, we think there's something wrong. And so we have to realize at that point, okay, we start going to the natural. We start going, okay, Sarah got tested, everything was fine. I got tested, which is the most embarrassing thing, you know, and that's a story for another day. Uh, maybe for a marriage retreat, but you know, that's, that was that, and I'm like, there's nothing wrong. So if nothing's right and nothing's wrong, what is it? And I realized at that moment that I was in the waiting room of God. Because we have to realize that sometimes the Bible says that we don't wait for the Lord, Isaiah 40, 31. We don't wait for Him, we wait on Him. And a lot of times in our life, why we lose strength, why we lose hope is because we're waiting for Him, we're not waiting on Him. The Bible says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And the issue is, is we always wait for Him. Therefore, if we wait for Him, we deplete in our strength instead of waiting on Him where we gain strength. And I realized at that point, every prophetic word, every conference we went to, someone was going to say, hey, I just want to encourage you. I just see children on your life. Yeah, that's a pathetic word, not a prophetic word. <laughs> and again, everyone then became an expert. 
and from, from the absolute extreme spiritual things of you need to stand on the Bible and you need to confess this and maybe you need to put a, a Bible underneath your bed and pillow to all of a sudden this extreme of people giving us technique sort of like, I'm like, what? I'm like, no, no, we don't need experts here. We just need friends. We don't need people to tell us how. We just need to be people to be the who. And you know, one thing I realized in our life is, is when things aren't going right, everyone starts to work from their head instead of their heart. We start to live out of this, this place of function instead of friendship. Am I speaking to somebody? And the waiting room of God isn't a place of punishment. We're not Catholic today. I'm not talking about purgatory. Amen? The waiting room of God isn't a place where God punishes you, but I realize it is a place where God prepares you. The waiting room of God isn't a place of, of punishment where He's dangling a carrot saying, hey, it's coming. Because you see, we treat the waiting room of God like we treat the waiting room of a doctor's. They said 12 o'clock. It is now 20 past 12. Wait a minute. I was here before them. Wait a minute. How, how did they get in? And we treat the waiting room of God exactly like that. God, I've been a Christian 20 years and I'm not even in eldership. They've been here five minutes and boom, they're in eldership. Am I speaking to somebody? And so we treat the waiting room of God like we treat the doctor's waiting room. Wait a minute, I'm sure they said this time. And you see, what we do is we bring the promises of God and we take them and we put them into the, into the chronos of man and we put them into the time zone of man instead of holding them in the time zone of God, which is eternal. And you realize in this place, as we were waiting for eight years, as we were waiting for... Our first child, you know, every, even prophets, oh, I can see a daughter. I see pink balloons. I think, you know, you're going to have a daughter first. Well, those who know us, we didn't have a daughter first. We had Tobias. And I tell you, I've got some pretty big rocks waiting for them prophets. Amen? <laughs> and it was one, one boy, 15 years of age, who came and said, hey, I've had this dream and I see, you know, a boy, and, and I get the name Toby. I don't know if that means something to you. And this was like the sixth year, and I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. But I realized in the waiting room of God, it's not why we're waiting, it's how we wait and determines the outcome. You see, in the waiting room of God, God doesn't want us to be frustrated. God doesn't want us to be hopeless. God doesn't want us to be in a place of, of doubt. He doesn't want us to be in a place of question. He wants us to be in a place of rest and peace and knowing that He's got this. And I fear sometimes we, we live life out of this lens. We live this life out of this place of, of we don't want to be in a waiting room. We don't want to be in a process. We don't want to be in a journey. We, we live a life right now where everything just has to happen. And if it doesn't happen in our time, then all of a sudden it's like, Ugh! do you realize there's something right now? Telstra is actually, you know, sort of 
done studies on this, and there's been studies on this. Do you realize that if something doesn't load fast enough on your phone, you get load rage? I'm not talking road rage. I'm talking load rage. That if all of a sudden you look at your phone and you see that 4G change to 3G, or dare it change to E, all of a sudden you start doing this, and you're like, it's not going to be fast enough. Do you know when you all of a sudden decide to watch Netflix, and all of a sudden you see that thing doing this? And all of a sudden the hearts, oh, I'm, there's people pointing you, hey, hey, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. All of a sudden we get this thing called load rage, where we just decide to walk away, where we decide to just, oh, I'm just going to leave it. Because we live life through our perspective, we live life through our narrative, we live life through this is how it's going to happen. When God says this, this is how it's going to be. When God says this, this is how it's going to happen. And we, we are the ones who write the story instead of God allowing God to be the author he's always been. The Bible doesn't say, I am the author and the finisher of my faith. It says he is. It doesn't say that, you know, everything works out all the time. Yes, it does. But it works out. So for it to work out, it has to have a beginning of problem and an end of purpose. But we're not happy to jump into a process. We're not happy to jump into that, dare I say, that dial-up destiny We don't want to step into that, oh my gosh, something is actually a process. And you see, the waiting room of God isn't a room necessarily. It's not a prison cell. The waiting room of God is who He is and has always been. That when He releases a promise of an oak tree, He presents you with an acorn. And God's waiting room has never been a place of, of trying to tease us. It's always been a place of trust. And so when he says, hey, I'm going to speak this over your life. This is what it's going to be. How it turns out isn't dependent on us. It's always been about him. Am I speaking to somebody? And so for us, what we do is when we, when we step into a place of, of journeying, when we step into this, this Christian life, friend, I want to say to you right now that if God has given you a C, can I suggest He's also prepared you for a storm? If God has given you a mountain, He's also given you the strength to climb it. And so I want to encourage you today that no matter what is happening, it's all part of the bigger picture. It's all part of what God is wanting to do. Because what He says and how we say it, friends, nine times out of ten are two different things. You see, if God wasn't a God of process... If God wasn't a God of journey, if God wasn't a God of waiting, 
then Jesus would have come as a man and not as an embryo. Can I say that again? If God wasn't a God of process, then Jesus would have come as a man, just appeared. I'm the, here he comes, behold the Lamb of God. Literally, we would have began the gospel at, at John three when all, or John 2 when all of a sudden John sees him. Whoa, behold the Lamb of God. That would have been perfect. How many people know that would have been the perfect beginning of, of the gospel? That's great. All of a sudden, John is baptizing and out of nowhere. All of a sudden, we get a doop, 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 and all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. Wait a minute. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What an amazing beginning. What an entrance. But it didn't begin there. Why? Because that's what, what the Word said. He shall be born of a virgin. You see, God begins your story in the miracles. God begins. The genesis of who you are always begins in the miraculous. But I, can I suggest to you today, if we are going to take the journey, if we're going to realize the process, if we're going to realize who God is in our lives and the narrative and the author of who He is, then for every birth, friend, there's a betrayal. For every betrayal, there's a struggle. For every struggle, there's a sacrifice. But I want to tell you right now, for every sacrifice, there's a resurrection. And for every resurrection, there's an ascension. And for every ascension, there's a mission. And for every mission, there's a salvation in the world. Am I speaking to somebody? So if you're stuck right now, if you're stuck in the part of the story of the crucifixion, I want to tell you right now, there's a resurrection coming. But don't give up in the crucifixion. Don't give up in that part of the story where all of a sudden everything's crashing. Because I want to say to you right now, friend, you know, we, we live the gospel, we, we, we base the gospel on Golgotha, we base the gospel on, on the cross, and friend, we, we should. This is where it is. But we forget that there wasn't just a Golgotha, there was a Gethsemane. Yeah. There wasn't just a place of submission, but there was a place of struggle. Yeah. And the Bible tells us that Jesus took his disciples... And they walked to a garden and he said, just stay here guys, I'm going to pray. And they, they sat there and Jesus went on and he said, Father, is there any chance that this can pass for me? Any chance? What? Buddy, you're Jesus. You're the, you're the guy who's going to take, you know, the beginning from the end. But can I suggest to us right now, even the most prophetic people don't understand sometimes the process. And Jesus, can you tell, you know, this is, what I, this is what bugs me sometimes. You know, when you read reviews of movies, I'm like, I can tell you the movie from the review. It's like spoiler alert. And I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing in the garden saying, if this cup could pass me, spoiler alert, dude, you're going to die, but you're going to rise again on the third day. Don't you know that? But can I suggest to us this morning, that you have to realize when you're in the thick of your story, when you're in the thick of, of the narrative of your breakthrough, you don't see the beginning from the end because you're stuck in the middle. 
Am I speaking to somebody? And Jesus at that point realized if this is any chance, God, any chance that this could pass for me, but I want to say, not my will, but your will be done. He gets up, he walks back to his disciples, and what are they doing? And he says, guys, could you not have stayed awake? Could you not have stayed awake? Because don't you realize what's going to happen? And friend, I fear sometimes when we're having our triumphant entry, when we're having our behold the Lamb of God moment, there are those that are having their Gethsemane moments. And I fear sometimes as the church, we, we are sleeping to the struggles of others. We are sleeping to the struggles of others. We are, oh, you did it all before. Guys, we have to wake up, not just to the, the triumph. We have to wake up to the struggle. We can't just be alive when everything is going great and dead when everything's not. You see, we can't sleep in our struggles. And this is what we do. We use it as an escapism and we say, oh, no, it's okay. Lights out. I'm just going to go to sleep. God doesn't want us to sleep in our struggles. He wants us to be present because the struggle is part of the breakthrough. Am I speaking to somebody? Second time he goes back and prays. And he says it again. And friend, I want to say to you right now, God isn't afraid of your your struggle. God isn't afraid of your doubt. God, God isn't afraid of when the, the proverbial there hits the fan that's there. He's not afraid of that. He's not afraid when, when you find yourself in a crisis of faith. He, he's not afraid. Because you know one thing I've realized about God? If, if I can say, this pulpit is God right now. Don't bow down. But you know, this pulpit is God. Why? Because it's unchanging. It's unmoving. It's constant. You see, in my inconsistency, God is consistent. In my inconsistency of my ups and downs, my ins and outs, and, and, and struggle here and struggle there, one thing I realize that is constant is God. He doesn't move. And He isn't afraid when all of a sudden, one day, you're like, I don't even know why I believe right now. Because I know he's never stopped believing in you. I find so many Christians, I meet so many times, they, they go into this, this cave of, oh my gosh, I'm having a crisis of faith. I'm having this struggle. As if God's going to punish you, as if, if God's afraid of that. God's not afraid of it. It's the reason he died on the cross. You see, I don't want my identity be, to be crisis, but I want my identity to be Christ. And what he thinks about me is unchanging. The only thing that changes is me. Am I speaking to somebody? And so we find ourselves needing to see through his highs because in moments of, of, of doubt, in the moments of crisis, in the Gethsemane moments when we're like, God, I, I don't know what's going on, but just let it pass. God says, hey, you don't realize this is part of a bigger picture. 
You don't even realize yet. And he comes back and what is his disciples doing the second time? They're still sleeping. And he goes back and prays the third time the Bible says. Do you know I love how the Bible is full of threes? I call it triptych truth. It's all full of threes. I love it. Three times Peter denied him. Three times he asked him, do you want to, how much you love me? He was three days and he rose from the dead. There were three cross. It was all threes. I love it. I don't think there's anything there, but I love it. <laughs> there is something there and it's deep, but I haven't got time for that this morning. But whenever there's a Golgotha, there's a Gethsemane. And friend, you might be going through some things today. You might be finding yourself in a Gethsemane moment. You might find yourself in a place of disappointment because what God said and what I'm seeing are two different things. But the issue is, is we're looking through the, the, the eyes of our understanding instead of standing under what he's saying. Am I speaking to somebody? And I remember the day when I'm in this struggle, God, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. That, that I feel like our marriage has got so functional. I feel like our marriage has got so medical and scientific because I was, you know, we've been prodded by this physician. I've been prodded by that. Instead of going to the great physician, we were running to any physician. Am I speaking to somebody? Yeah. And one day, someone said to Sarah, hey, have you guys been trying to have children? She went to see an osteopath. Not a psychopath, an osteopath. I felt like we were going to see psychopaths, but you know, it was an osteopath. And all of a sudden, she looked at Sarah, and Sarah in 2005 had fallen off a horse and, and fractured her pelvis in three places. And I call it a word of knowledge, because literally this woman knew nothing. And so she looks at Sarah and says, have you guys been trying to have children? And Sarah's like, oh my gosh, the statement of the century. She goes, your pelvis is out by 12 degrees. She said, I can't promise you anything, but I'll, if I give you six weeks of treatment, we'll just see what happens. Friends, within three weeks, we were pregnant. And then all of a sudden, the prophetic words started again. Oh, there's a girl. I see a girl. Just shut up. I don't need to know. We have a value system that says no hatch, match, or dispatch. Amen. We don't prophesy into that. But again, you know, really well-known prophets always said, you know, oh, you're having a girl. And then all of a sudden, the night before the scan, I go into a dream, and I'm, I'm before the father, and the father says, what's your son's name? And I said, Tobias John. And he said, don't forget Samuel. And I woke up, and I turned to Sarah. I said, honey, I, th I think we're having, I think we're having a boy. Let me back up. I don't think I told you the morning we found out, did I? Good Lord. I remember the scream. I'm lying there. It's about 5 a.m. And all of a sudden, I hear this wailing coming from. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's collapsed. So as I open the door, I just feel this wet stuff hitting my, hitting my face. I'm like, what the flip is that? And I see this white thing being flicked in my face. I'm like, what's this? Don't pee on my face and tell me it's raining, amen? <laughs> and she like, I'm like, what the heck? And I remember in that moment, we both, you know, we just collapsed, you know, realizing 
that hope was no longer deferred, but hope was realized. And it became a wellspring. It became a wellspring. And friend, I want to tell you right now, God's love is messy. God's promises are sometimes messy. He doesn't do, God doesn't do perfect. He does purposeful. Am I speaking to somebody? God doesn't do perfect. He does purposeful. And so we went to the scan and boom, you, they didn't even have to point it out. You know, you could tell we were having a son. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. And nine months later, Tobias came. And the Lord told us, you know, not just to steward his life, but to steward his, his beginning. And we said, you know, guys, you know, we won't worship. We had friends. How many people are you in the Rivieras? This is soaking music. It's beautiful. Um, you know, they, they wrote a, a track for us to play in the birthing. So, you know, Sarah was on that Atlas ball. I was taking pictures. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just going to post it because it looks like you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. You know, she's over the ball doing this. She looked like Lou Engel. It was amazing. And so we were there and, you know, in the contractions and, you know, I, I almost got slapped twice because, you know, they're like, okay, here it comes, here it comes, let it go, let it, and I'm like, let it go, let it, and so the nurse is like, can you just go stand over there? And I remember when he came out, daddy came, and we said, you know, we would, there's three things we would do, that we would bless him when, when he came out, we would speak his name over him, and that we would delay the clamping of the cord. You know, and have maximum skin on skin. And we did that. You know, that thing was pumping. And, and we said, leave it until it stops pumping. Because there's nutrients and everything in that. And you're going to have kids. It's okay. That, that was for free this morning. And so we remember that time. It was a holy moment. But you know, the crazy thing is, is when hope is realized, you forget hope deferred. Friend, I want to encourage you this morning. If you're in a hope deferred place... God is constant. Because for hope to re be realized, hope has to be deferred. And you might find yourself this morning in a place of, of, of hopelessness that God has spoken and said, this is what's going to happen. I see this. You know, this is the promises. But friend, I want to say to you today that what He promises doesn't come how we think. Amen? Amen? And if you need scripture for that this morning, go to Matthew 21. Because this is one of my favorite realizations of what he says and what I see a lot of times two different things. If you've got your Bibles, who's back in the ages and got a paper Bible this morning? Put your hand up. Come on. Come on, my friend. Whew. Okay, I want you to open Matthew 21 and I want, to, I want you to tell me what is the title of that chapter. What's the title of that chapter? Anyone? What does it say? We're still flicking. What's it say in yours, Andrew? Jesus comes to Jerusalem. What's it say, sir? The triumph entry. The triumphant entry. <sighs> Imagine. Yeah, it's on a Samsung, that's why. Um... <laughs> And so, how many people, like, when, when, you, when you see a movie title, you're like, oh, who would love to see the movie, The Triumphant Entry? 
what a title. What a title, a triumphant entry. What if your prophetic word this morning was triumphant entry? Hook me up, God. But let's read. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a Ferrari. Sorry. Doesn't say that. What does it say? You will find a... The title is not lining up with the text. Jesus, the triumphant entry. You will go into a city opposite you and you will find a donkey with a coat. You will untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone says to you or stops you, just say, hey, Jesus has need of them and they will send you on your way. Now time out here, full stop. I believe in the precedent of Scripture. I haven't tried this yet, but I realize you guys have a new Mercedes store in Ballarat. What does it look like to walk in, jump in an E250, and if anyone stops you, just say, Jesus is need of this, and they let you go on your way? There's scriptural precedent right here. The thing is, this thing went a Mercedes. It was a donkey. A donkey. Jesus, the title says triumphant entry, but I'm not seeing triumphant. I'm seeing a donkey. You see, what God speaks and what God does is not according to us, it's according to Him. Because you see, the triumphant entry wasn't about the what, it was about the who. Yeah. It wasn't about the how, it was about the who. And the promise of God on your life isn't about how He's going to do it, it's why He's doing it and who He's doing it with. Yeah. You see, the promise has never been about the process. The promise has always been about the person. The promise has always been about who you are. But in the, pro in the promise, there's always a person and there's always a process. The question is, are you willing to be the person? Because if you are, then you've got to be willing to have the process. You see, we can't just be a person of promise. We also have the, have the process of promise. Am I speaking to somebody? And so when God says, hey... I'm going to do a triumphant entry. My son is going to come into Jerusalem and he's going to be on a donkey. Excuse me? He's going to be on a donkey. Didn't quite catch that. No, God didn't hide the fact that his son was coming on a donkey. You see, God wasn't afraid of using a donkey because the process wasn't the aim. The person was the aim. The promise has always been the aim. How he does it is up to him. And friend, I want to I say this morning that we have to place, not our faith, but we have to place our trust in him as we're in this waiting room. How he does it. You see, 
I don't know how a doctor does his things. I'd love to know. How do you tell me my appointment is 12 o'clock, but I don't see you till 10 to 1? I'd love to know. But no one's ever asked. We just put up with it. You're the doctor and I'm the patient. And it's the same with God. We don't ever question God. We just put up. But I want to say to you today, friend, he's not afraid if you question the process. Because he'll always lead you back to the promise. And this is what I love about God. That how he does it is in such a way that I want to make this statement this morning. Friend, God isn't going to reach people through victory. He's going to reach them through vulnerability. And sometimes what he uses are the very things we want to hide. The things he uses isn't our fame, but it's our shame. I remember in 2008 when my brother took his life. And I went into one of the darkest periods of my time. I made choices that I wish I never made. And I remember finding myself in this cave going, Oh, thank you, God isn't here. God's not going to find me here. I forgot to read the scripture in Psalms where it says, I'll make my bed in Sheol and you'll be there. I'll make my bed in the high tops and you'll be there. I just failed to get that memo. And I remember being there, just, just bawling my eyes out. And all of a sudden, I just heard my name. Gary. I'm like, oh, come on, God. Can I just hide somewhere? Can't I just go, can I have my man cave? And all of a sudden, I'm in this, in this, this, like this shame and, and this, this, this place of pain and, and numbness. And I remember just being there and, and all of a sudden, the light came on. I'm in this place of shame and, and suffering. And, and, you know, guys, I just didn't know who I was or where I was. And you might be in that place this morning. But all of a sudden, the light came on in that cave. And do you know what I saw? I didn't see a cave. I just saw every wall of that cave tagged by Jesus, graffitied by Jesus. That's all I saw. Jesus was here. Jesus was here. Jesus was here. Jesus was here. And I'm like, what the heck? And this is what the Lord says to me. In your greater shame, I write my name. Because I realized that we don't win people through our victory. We win them through our vulnerability. And sometimes to win a city, God doesn't need to use a Ferrari. He needs to use a donkey. To win a city, He doesn't need you to come with your armies. He needs to come with your arms. To win a people, it's not about a battle, it's about a blessing. And you might find yourself right now saying, God, how could you use me because of this, this, and this? Friend, he used a donkey. <laughs> God, how could, how could you use me? How could you use me to do this? Because he used a donkey. Friend, I want to say to you right now, as you find yourself in this, this waiting place, you find yourself in what you think is, is your Gethsemane, that, that God can do nothing. I want to say to you right now, God can do everything because He wants your donkey. He wants, he wants your mess because He has a message. He wants your frustrations because you know what our frustrations actually show us isn't something we're lacking. It actually reveals to us an injustice that needs to be put right. And this is what the Lord's inviting us right now. Each and every one of us. He's not looking. You know, this is what the Lord said to me. 
you know, going through this, this time, he said, Gary, why do you trust me with your wins and not your sins? You know, true community isn't just lifting people up in their wins. It's lifting people up in their sins. But Gary, that's the donkey I keep at the back. No, that's the donkey God's going to use to ride into someone's life. When you're able to say, hey, buddy, the, the, the disaster you've gone through, I've gone through it. And I've got a donkey right here that you can ride through victory on. Am I speaking to somebody? Hey, that, that, that separation, that, that betrayal, that, that death, that, them things you've gone through right now that you think you're in Gethsemane, that you're struggling right now. Guess what? I've got, I've got a resurrection that you don't even know about. Because guess what? I've been in Gethsemane. I've been on that cross and I've been resurrected. And every one of us has got that story and every one of us is in, in that part of the story. But for, see, for, you are the resurrection for someone else's cross. Whoa, how can you say that? Because Jesus said everything he was, we are. And if Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life, guess who you are? You're the resurrection and life because you have words that can awaken someone who is dead in trespasses and sin and can be awakened to righteousness. That's what scripture tells us, that we are awakened to righteousness. Am I speaking to somebody? So friend, God is looking for a community. God is looking for a donkey in Ballarat. He doesn't need you to be a Ferrari. He doesn't need you to be the latest and greatest. He just needs you to be a people who are willing to carry him to whosoever. He's just looking for a people who are just willing to be them. Amen? God doesn't look for a show home. He just wants a home. You know, we all know what that's like when people come and visit. You know, my house, or my home, I should say, I call it tidy. My wife calls it semi-burgled. But for me, as long as the worktops are clean, everything's clean. And she's like, honey, what about the laundry? What about that? And No, no, the worktops are nice and clean. As long as the kitchen's clean, everything's clean. How many men agree with me here? Come on. <laughs> Amen. But if I know someone is coming to visit, man, I become Martha Stewart on the spot. It's like, you know, better homes and gardens I become the mascot for. Because why? We have this innate thing in us. What will people think? Friend, that's a fear of man. And I thank God, 18 months ago, I got rid of that. I don't care. If my kids have left their toys out, come on in. I don't care anymore. Why? Because I don't care that what other people think. I only care what he thinks. And if I live my life out of the fear of man, I'm going to miss it every time. But if I live my life in the fear of God, I'll never miss it. And so, friend, whatever your struggle is right now, I just want to validate. It's okay. Whatever, you, whatever part of the narrative you find yourself in right now, friend, don't hide. Be front and center. 
because it might be the donkey that God wants to use. But you see, it's not going to be used if it's tied up. You have to let it go. You have to let it go. Amen? I'm not going to start singing it, but we have to let it go. Amen? <laughs> it sort of works here in Ballarat near the cold never bothered me anyway. But it kind of does every time I come. But we've just got to let it go. And just allow God to be God and, and allow us to be us. Amen? And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're finding yourself in the waiting room of God, if you've had a promise on your life that you are like, God, I'm not seeing anything. Friend, it's not the end of the story. It's a part of the story. Gary, I've had all these promises, these triumphant entries, but I ain't seeing a Ferrari. Friend, just look around. There might be a donkey tied up next to you. Gary, I've had these amazing oak tree words of my life, but I'm not seeing oak trees. Friend, just look down. There might be a few acorns at your feet. Because he who has began a good work is faithful. Is faithful. He who began, not ended, he who began. Everyone say began. began. A great work is faithful to complete it. Amen? I want to pray for you, but Pastor Andrew's instructed me. I have to hand it back to him before I do ministry. So can we welcome Pastor Andrew? Amen? It's almost the wrong time to get up, but the right time to get up. I am uh, really thankful for, for Gary and his ministry and, and what's about to come. I'm also um, very aware uh, of what today is and today's Father's Day and that some of you may need to disappear very quickly. And so I don't want to miss the opportunity uh, for us as a community and as a people to be able to sow and bless uh, Gary's ministry. And so I thought this would be the perfect time. So for those that need and want to stay, and I encourage you to stay and bring a sacrifice of praise, stay for the ministry. But if you need to go, I understand that. So before you leave, I thought I'm going to capture everyone in the room now. Gary and Sarah run School of the Prophets there. Um, they run that. They're itinerant ministers. And so I want us as a community to be able to financially bless them for coming out to here uh, in Ballarat where it's cold, where he's blessed us already and going to continue to bless us. And this almost, in taking up what I call a love offering here and now, requires a step of faith for us because we don't know what's about to happen. We don't know if... We're going to come up for prayer. If we're going to get a word, we don't know. We're actually sowing by faith. And so maybe in the way that we give in this moment is going to determine and release what is about to happen in our ministry time. i just put that for you. Um, so I'm going to have the guys there ready. We're going to pray. And just we're going to take up an offering that's going to go to for Gary and Sarah. And then we're going to have uh, our, our team come up. I'm, uh, would you like some music in the background when you're ministering, Gary? You didn't, no, you're good. All right, no, good. Awesome. They get to sit for a little bit. But, Lord, we're going to take up a love offering. We want to bless Gary. We want to bless his, his wife, his children, their ministry. We pray, God, that every dollar that gives would be a blessing in turn for those that are given. But, Lord, we just ask that, Lord, you would work mightily through this man of God. Thank you for his visit with us. And everybody said? Amen. So let's do this really, really, like, quickly. Um, just bring the bags forward. Does anyone need a, a credit card slip or anything like that? Uh, if you do, no. Guys, just come forward and run your bags through. You do? Yep, cool. 
Um, I don't know where Jen is, but if we can have a credit card. Oh, she's there. Jen, do you mind getting a credit card slip for me? Or just to get a couple. You got some? Thanks, Crystal. And while that's happening, thank you. And let's be prayerful just for a moment. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand it back to Gary. Sorry to intervene like that. But um, I'm aware that Mount Clear, people disappear for coffee and food really quickly. Yeah? And then what I get for the following weeks is, oh, we didn't get an opportunity to give. We really wanted to. It's okay. Don't leave so early or quickly. <laughs> All right, Father, put us back in the right mindset and we hand it over to the man of God in Jesus' name. Thank you for putting up with me. God bless you. Friends, I wonder if I can, if you're in this place right now, I want to really definitively speak and minister to people that you've been in that, you feel like you're being in the waiting room, that you made an appointment with God and you feel like you're in that doctor's surgery right now. Friend, if that's you, I just want you to stand. Because right now I feel in this place that God is going to release not just a, an answer, but I feel right now that God is wanting to unlock just our hearts to realize that we're not waiting for Him, we're waiting on Him. That God would give us eyes to see and hearts to understand that it's not over, amen? We might be, that's the Bible says, we go from glory to glory, but sometimes we get stuck in the two. And it don't feel like glory, because it isn't. It's the two. And God is, is moving us from glory to glory, and glory to glory isn't always about that place of, you know, I'm going from better to better. Sometimes it's going from bitter to better. Sometimes it's going from that place of, of increase to that place, place of consolidation. You know, friend, a lot of people don't like to read John 15, but I love John 15 because he is the vine dresser and I am the branch. And he doesn't prune me for punishment. He prunes me for fruitfulness. And so sometimes when things start disappearing or all of a sudden I, I lose this relationship or maybe I, I've lost that or I've lost... I realize, God, you're not punishing me. You're pruning me for fruitfulness. And this is the lens we have to look through that everything doesn't happen because it's the end of the story. Everything happens because it's part of the story. And so, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, I release... Father God, your eyes. Father, I release your mind. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. Lord, I release right now a Jeremiah 29 encounter in this place that we will continue to live out of your thoughts and not our thinking. That we will continue to live out of your voice and not our self-talk. And Lord, I just break off right now. Every, Lord, every ungodly connection with hope deferred. And Lord, I just thank you right now that you are just releasing. You are just releasing hope realized. Father God, show us our donkeys. Show us our donkeys right now. Show us our donkeys right now. In Jesus' name. Father, show us our donkeys. Lord, show us that we're not waiting for you, we're waiting on you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, thank you that you saw delight in us. Lord, that we're not a prisoner of our past. We're a pioneer of our future. But Lord, I thank you right now that there is a process that we're in right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What's your name, honey? Sandy. Hey, Sandy. As soon as I put my hand on you, I just shared this, you live in a street that has a dove on it. What was your maiden name? Dove. Dove. Sandy Dove. Wow. (laughs) What's your address? Uh, Spencer Street. 603. Spencer Street. Mrs. Spencer. You know the Spencers were always ones who owned department stores. Thank you right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, we just release, Lord, everything that you have in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that you're releasing the dove on Miss Dove. You're releasing peace right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Father, release Jesus. Wow. What's your name, sir? Chris. Chris. Chris, I just see the Father just bringing, it's like resolution. He's bringing resolution and he is being resolute. And it's connected with what you're employed with or connected with what you're doing. But the Lord's going to bring resolution so that you're not going to feel like you're in a place of, of just being used. You're not just in a place of being used, but the Lord says you're going to be honored and you're going to find yourself in a place of honor. There is a Joseph's anointing on you right now that you've lived under the jealousy of brothers, but the Lord is releasing you to live under the joy of the brethren. And so, Lord, right now, whatever he's been taken advantage of. I just release that off him right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All fear goes right now. All fear goes. Honey, all fear goes. Put your hand on your stomach. All fear goes right now. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Wow. Can you say this after me? I bless my hormones. Hormones. God loves my hormones. Yes, he does. My husband might not, but God does. You feel like spaghetti right now. Your mind is like spaghetti, and that's okay. God just wants to validate to you, honey.
that you, you've been yo-yoing. And you feel like a yo-yo. But the Lord's just, I just see the shepherd, Psalm 23, being a reality over your life right now. You shall not want. It doesn't mean there's not a need, but you shall not want. He's going to supply, amen? He's going to carry you as you carry. Father, right now, just bless her in Jesus' name. Bless her in Jesus' name. Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Just put your hands on your hearts this morning. Father, we thank you. What's the time? Wow. Jesus, we thank you that you are so, so faithful. That you're so faithful. There's a lady in a, in a mustard top. What's your name? That's you. They always look behind. What's your name, honey? Brie. Like the cheese. And what goes great with brie is great wine. And for those amongst us, grape juice. Brie, God hasn't finished. God hasn't finished. Put your hands up for me. God hasn't finished. Your right hand doesn't need to know what your left hand's doing. And what's in your left hand is not determined what's in your right hand. You feel like you're walking this journey by yourself. But God wants to remind you His promise never fails because love never fails. And He's got this right now. And every fight that you face the last nine to ten months, God says, I'm turning into a feast. That you don't need to feel like you're walking this alone. Or you're walking, and it feels like, it's almost like you're walking, like you've got heels on and someone else has got boots. And it's like you feel like you're not walking in the same way. But God says, no, I'm, I'm about to unify. I'm about to unite and ignite. I'm about to unite and ignite. That's your promise. And I want to bless you that you're not alone. Amen? Lord, bless her right now in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. Wow. What's in November for you? Your husband's birthday. Why don't you come over your husband? What's your name? Nathan. God's so proud of you, buddy. And there's only so long you can run from it. And there's only so long you can push it away. But he's got plans for you that you're scared of. And God's going to work it out. And you see, you haven't got a... faith that could be displayed. You haven't got one of these faiths like a centurion. You've got a faith of a carpenter. It's a simple faith. But comparison for too long in your life has held you prisoner. 
And people have compared themselves to you and you've compared yourself to others. And the Lord says, I'm breaking that today. Because it's freedom time. And I see you just coming alive to the simplicity of what God wants to do in and through you. Does that make sense? And so I want to call you up. I'm not calling you out today. I'm calling you up. Because God is such a, I'm going to say the word Nathaniel. In you there's no guile. I'm not saying you've got problems, but how your heart is towards people and how your heart is towards your family. You're an incredible dad. You're an incredible dad. And on this Father's Day, I want to honor you. Because you said to yourself, these kids want to have what I had. And I want to honor you today. That God's unlocking your heart. That you're not a failure, my friend. You're faithful. You're faithful. What's this little one's name? Hey, Cooper. Can I have a phone? Wow. God, thank you. There's a worshiper on this guy. There's a song in his heart. There's a creativity in him. Lord, thank you that he's a mini Cooper right now. But Lord, you're going to turn him into a Cooper S. That's going to have so much, Lord, potential and power. Do you like Paw Patrol? Do you want to be Ryder one day? Paw Patrol is on the roll. Wow. You're going to be writer one day, buddy. There's leadership on your life. Yeah? Is that cool? Is Dad awesome? Can I give Dad a high five? Come on. Bless you guys. Come on. Wow. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. You're ready for whatever's happening with your work to change, honey. Because there's, there's, there's life coming to you. See it all over you guys. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Who's Ryan? I'm keeping the name Ryan. Oh, wow. Wow. What's July for you? Oh, wow. Come and stand out here. Man, you live in this paradox world. And there's this world of, of absolute wanting to know how everything works. And then the other thing is saying, well, that's how it just happens. And you're like, this, you're like this scientist here. And this absolutely phlegmatic creative here. And you live in this tension. It's like, it's like you're this geeky creative. And God's going to use that because you actually don't just see, you don't just hear sound, you see it. You have this ability to realize how everything connects. And God's going to breathe on that through you, Ryan. And God's going to use you. You know, you're not just a kid that's flipping burgers. You're not just a kid that just does the menial stuff. But God's going to use you to, to create the miraculous. And it's through sound and it's through worship. And you took a massive step learning an instrument. And you took a massive step Stepping out and just saying, God, I don't care how it sounds. I know why it sounds. And God loves your yes. Yeah? Come here, buddy. God loves your yes. He's not looking for anything else than your yes. 
He's not looking for your capability. He just wants your availability. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Bless you, buddy. There's some tissues by there. Wow. Just set your hands out to, to Andrew Amell. Father, thank you for Andrew Amell. Father, we bless this incredible couple. And I just hear the Father saying that I'm, I'm bringing you into a refining and a defining that's not about taking off, but actually the Lord's going to begin to move you from a place. I just keep seeing the word active wear, active wear, active wear. And it's not about CrossFit. And it's not about going to the gym. But there's active wear that the Lord is he's activating the giftings, he's activating the dreams, he's activating, and, and Mel, particularly in you, there is a, it's time to wear the active, it's time to wear the present, it's time to wear that which is now, not then. It's, that which to, it's time to wear that which is, is present, and I see God using you as a present, as a gift that he's opening up. But, but there's been a season where you you've almost feel like you're being wrapped. It almost feels like you, you're being constrained. But the Lord says that's just the bow of the present going on. Because there is a season of activation that's coming to you that's actually activating the, the gold, activating the dreams, activating them things that are so deep-seated. But still it comes back to that place of God. I need more. I need more. I need to know more. I need to, to do more. The Lord says, no, no. You have everything you need. Now it's active. Now it's active in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you. Wow. And I'm going to speak this. There is a, there is a clothing. There is a, there is a fashion. There is something of, of releasing women. It's like a boutique. I just see a boutique of blessing that's on you. And God's going to use you in this next season of not just to bring women alive in the spiritual, but I see them literally, I see, yeah, I don't know why it is, but I see like a catwalk. I see like this ability to cause women not just to feel, but to look beautiful. And I see you clothing women. And it's going to be like an Esther season of preparation. And, and, and I just hear this, this, this phrase, the Esther Initiative. It's the Esther Initiative, and it's all about empowering women, but not just women of, of brilliance, it's women of brokenness. And you're going to literally clothe them. And it's not just in the spiritual, Mel, it's in the natural. That God's going to use you to bring out, and it's something you fought, because pastor's wives don't do that. No, no, they do. Because you're not a pastor's wife, you're a pastor. And the Lord honors that in you, and He releases that in you. So everything you've been fighting, God says, just give in. <laughs> just give in, because you've wanted just to give up all that stuff. The Lord says, no, give in, because you're about to clothe through an Esther initiative on how to prepare women for purpose. And it's going to be something that's going to be regional. It's going to be something that's going to literally draw people from all walks of life not just this region but this nation and it's going to begin through you and it's going to begin in you and i see it's like the 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 esther initiative then there's going to be something coming out of that called the esther project where you're literally going to cause women who who have been marginalized women who have been taken advantage of literally you're going to pour in 
so much of, of and I, this is what I see, not just resource, but relationship. And it's going to be in and through you. You are going to be known in five years by the council in this place because of what you do through the Esther Initiative and Esther Project. And so, Lord, we just release that right now in Jesus' name. We just release that. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. And Andrew, I just hear the Spirit of the Lord say that, that I'm literally bringing an upgrade, not just to your heart, but the Lord's bringing an upgrade to your emotions. And I see literally that God is just unlocking. There's this EQ He's doing in you where everything you've, you've gone after is the IQ. That, God, I, I, I need to learn more. And the Lord says, no, He's going to show you how to be loved more. Not to love more, but to be loved. There, there is an EQ. There is an emotional cue that's literally awakening in you right now that's going to cause you to begin to move into a, a fresh place of not just believing, but being. That you're not just going to speak love. That literally through you, it's going to manifest. You're not just going to know generosity, but through you, it'll manifest. And so, Father, right now, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there is a supernatural EQ upgrade. And the Lord says, begin to recognize and, and, and study what that is. Because it's a dynamic that's going to literally be like an arrow. It's going to be like a sword. It's going to be like a, a new part of the, the arsenal that God has given you in this next season. And 2020 is going to be like a year for you of, of new beginnings, but you've already began. It's like a, a, a new beginning, but you've already began. And so, Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for this incredible couple. Father, I thank you for Mount Clear. Lord, I thank you what you're doing through this house. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that there is initiatives going to come out of this house that is literally going to undergird and begin to bless and begin to, to give into this, this region. And this is what I heard the Lord says, is you are not just going to restore the streets, but you're going to literally repair streets. I see like the Lord doing something of, of an initiative through this house that's going to literally put Mount Clear on the map. And it's going to be like, this place, bless that place. This place, bless that place. This place, bless that place. And I feel like that you are going to be known, and this is what I heard the Lord say, is your spirituality is about to get legs. That your, your vision is about to get legs. That everything that you, you've wanted to do through your heart and hands, the Lord's about to give legs to, and you're going to run in it. You're not just going to do it, you're going to walk and run in it. And I see the Lord just using this place, not just in a, a social justice way, but in a way that's going to reach out to the community. And, and there's an initiative that God's going to do through this place that literally is going to cause a reformation. You see, revivals for the church, but reformations for the world. And God's going to use this house as a place of reformation that's going to change the blueprints and change the, the very architecture of not just a city, but also as well the streets. And so, Father, we bless that right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. God bless you guys and thank you for listening.